when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, July 16th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 170. That's a lot of them. Line them up, so one many. after the next, and you'll just wind up with a lot of episodes. Uh, I'm your host, Austin Walker, joining me today. That was the voice of, of Daniel Riendo calling in from Brooklyn. Okay. Wow. Captain Toadette herself, <laughs> Danielle Riendo. <laughs> Hi. Live on the live on the line. Also joining me, Patrick Klepek, holding a cup of tea of coffee. Tea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're just you're, you have it very close to you. You're holding it very. You're holding it. I'm like trying a, to. I'm trying to get some of its energy before I put it into my mouth. I, I, Patrick, I, wanna, what's that I logo? want to. It's uh, it's a Dharma. Mm-hmm. It's the Swan Station uh, from Lost. There you go. Nice. Also joining us, asking the, the real questions like, Patrick, what's that logo? Rob Zachney. <laughs> Just a- nutritious, crisp, clean water over here. That's I'm about, nice. All oh, about yeah. good health, clean living. That's good. I, I got the a- water, too. <laughs> yeah, both. I got 32 ounces of water sitting to my left, Rob. I can, I can multitask. 32 ounces is very specific. That's a specific that's a, that's all that, It's got a marker that says 32 ounces, and I fill it to the top. To there, to the 32-ounce mark. <laughs> good. Uh, how's everybody doing today? It's Monday. It doesn't feel Hi. like Monday to me for some reason. It feels like a different day. Like, not like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Like, a unique eighth day. Like that a seems Monday? like a good Monday. That's a, like, if it doesn't feel like a Monday, that seems like a pretty good outcome. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. It's hot. I'm working from home, and so it feels like it feels like it could be... It does. It feels like the first day back from a holiday, even though we didn't have a holiday. We just had a weekend. That's what it feels like for me. And that is, maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that means I got some good stuff done over the weekend. I got some recuperation in. I got some resting in. I played some video games. Uh, how about y'all? Were your weekends good? No, no. Danielle's shaking her uh, head. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. To be honest, that's that's understandable. Jury duty as well uh, is a hell of a thing to discover you got coming up. Wait, do you have jury duty coming up? Who is jury duty I, coming uh, up? Well, I, I me. Um, Danielle, what's happening? Jur- I got the jury duty notice as I was like saying goodbye uh, to one of my pets uh, who moved out this week. How? So how is the I, timing on this? I the did way something it is? to piss off God. That is all I could think of. God is mad. God is very angry at me. Don't know why. But it's now like, you can take it out on someone else through the criminal justice system. I exactly. don't advocate it, but <laughs> you're on a it. grand jury, so really, like that case is moving forward either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so happy. And I know so your values being what they are, you're probably going to be like, hell yeah, let me join Team Prosecutor. Oh, yeah. You know <laughs> Those me. guys are always on the up and up. <laughs> you know me. Yeah. 
Well, it depends on the case these days. You know, maybe there are some indictments and, and some cases you would like to be involved with. It's true. I'm definitely on the piss tape case. That's, uh, wow. that's my case. Finally, yeah. we know we have an insider. Yep. That's what 2018 would turn right the fuck around is Danielle Rando is like a juror on the P tape case. Please. I'll write a book for you. Like the, the, we'll do the, a podcast on it. The future of the administration hinges on Danielle. Uh, that would be that would be nice. That would be that would be like sending Hans Gruber to his death. Listen, I you know I had a manager training last week, and they were very clear that we offer jury jury duty leave. But I just want you to know, uh-huh. if you get the uh-huh. P tape case, I don't even. I'm not even acting as a manager. I'm just acting as a friend. You go spend all the time you need on that P, <laughs> on that, that P case. Can't wait. <laughs> That's all. Can't you. wait. Really? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. God, uh, we can't even talk about politics today because I, well, you know. Today was the day that Trump and Putin uh, uh, stood on a stage and, and Trump said out loud that he trusted Putin's word more than the intelligence agencies of America. And listen, I got some issues with the intelligence, uh, the intelligence agencies of America, but I'm also not the president of the United States. And just, god damn, is this where it's at? And it yes, is. it is. I think it that's is. part of the reason that it it feels like later in the week. This doesn't usually, yes. like, I don't right. usually wake up in the morning and it's just fucking a just a, a a shit turd in my mouth of Ooh. news and like and then it just doesn't stop it's just been no. me desperately trying to tab away to anything else all day and being like well it's been 45 seconds probably time to tab back over and see what other shit show has occurred uh today so you know. I, that because it was partially to the 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 weirdness of this monday is because it feels more at least this is tuesday Right. It's not. So between that, between the ongoing uh, Amazon uh, transnational worker strike uh, in Europe that we are we are uh, standing in solidarity with, no no streaming today. It, I think my whole day is like just like on a th- it is on like a Thursday time cycle. Like I'm waiting. I'm already ready for tomorrow's Friday afternoon surprises to start hitting, but it's not going to be Friday tomorrow. It's going to be Tuesday. So I don't know. Um, in any case. What I did this weekend is play a video game. I, I, I've been playing a JRPG. Oh, uh, that's a Japanese role-playing game, which oh. I don't. You Thank know, you. Just to clarify, those are often RPGs made in Japan, but there's also a connotation of it being a certain style of RPG. I probably don't need to explain what a JRPG is to this audience. Um, it's a Final Fantasy. It's a final. Well, I think this is more of a saga than a Final Fantasy. But yes, it's it's a Final Fantasy. This is a square square. Which Final Fantasy is Saga? Okay, don't. It's fine. Final Fantasy Legend actually is the actual right answer. Wow. Okay, there you go. That's a good because that game was actually a Saga game brought (laughs) over here as Final Fantasy Legend, right? It was was. a Game Boy game. That's actually correct. Okay. Um, Final Fantasy Legend's really cool. I don't know that it's good, but it's really cool. It was different. It was like it was one of those uh, like Zelda Two situations. Yes. Nice. All right. It, like, found its champions, like, partially, ironically, and then, like, partially because it was interesting and different. Yes. Um, it was it was right. super weird. There's lots of, like, consumable stuff in that game. I, it's been a long time since I played it, but I played the hell out of it on an emulator when I was in high school or maybe right before high school. I don't remember. But I was playing lots of Game Boy games on emulators between the ages of, like, 12 and 18. So, um, I mean, you know. Like, everyone goes through a phase. Yes. 
Yes, we're all on, you know, uh, Emu Paradise or whatever you want to call it. Emu Paradise. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Emu. Emu. Paradise. Emu Paradise. You know, I love to load up my emulators and well, play. I like it as emu because then you think like, oh, it's like an emu, like a bird. Yeah. And that way when my mom comes over and she's like, what are you doing? What are you downloading? There better not be illegal stolen video game ROMs. I'm like, no, this is a Rams. Site. Rams. This is a, this is, this is a, these are about emus and rams. This isn't roms. Right, this is about the it's birds. Animals. It's an animal website. Exactly. Yeah, um, nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, I've been playing Octopath Traveler. The, the hit. It's another new? animal. Right? It is. It's an this, octopus. Oh, no, right. An octopus traveler. Ex- yes. the, what do they see on Twitter? Octopus blues traveler. Exactly. <laughs> um, it is. I'm surprised by how much – maybe this just reflects the people I follow on Twitter, but I follow a lot of people. A lot of people are playing this game right now, more than I expected to for there to be, and, and maybe it's the nostalgia factor that's brought in some people. I suspect that's probably even why I got pulled into it a little bit. Um, so it is it is the new Square Enix uh, and Acquire developed JRPG that's on Switch. Um, did, they, they, a, did they do the, they did that last one that was an old school throwback game? So they did the, this team, uh, did the, Tales of Setsuna or something, something. No, that's right? a different team. That's a different team. Oh, is it? Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. These people did the Bravely Default games, which oh, those were, games were actually pretty good. They are pretty good. They were 3ds yeah. JRPGs that were also Final Fantasy adjacent. Um, to well, the they degree, had like a unique combat system that was like yes. built around like point act like yes. uh some something you know like you were like trying to acquire points and you were spending those points and- you got like brave points that you could yes. then spend to like take multiple turns per yeah. turn you or something you could basically sit out a turn right. and that would give you an extra turn the next time yes you exactly could, like bulk up you could kind of like stack up turns yes. and it was, and it was so, really a fun combat so this yeah. system is like that but a little streamlined actually you can really yeah. see that they took some of those core ideas um really quickly the high level of it and I'll get into the combat a little bit cuz I do think it's fascinating um the high level is that there are eight characters you can pick from uh they all spell out the word octopath if you list them all <laughs> Uh, so it's like Ophelia, Cyrus, Ulbrich, no, uh, uh, what's the T? Uh, Trissa, Ulbrich, and then four other ones. Those are the four that I have. Oh, Primrose, I have, I have Octopa right now. Uh, I have not gotten the ATH of, of Octopath. Um, and each one's a different class, right? So, you know, I started with Cyrus, who is a scholar, which means that he has, like, some magic skills, um, and can, everybody in this game has, like, combat skills. They have passive skills, which are things that just give them bonuses. So one of Cyrus' early, early ones is like, yo, let's be careful when we walk around so we don't get into fights. What if we didn't get into a lot of fights? And so he just has a cool passive that lets you, like, lower the random encounter rate. Um, and then you also have what are called path actions, and each character has their own path action, which is a thing you can use with any NPC you can talk to. So, for instance, I have this guy named Ulbrich, who is a knight. He's like a, he was a knight to a lord. Every, every character has their own story. It, like, it opens with whatever characters you start story, and then whenever you encounter one of the other main characters in the game, you do a flashback and play through their whole story. Uh, their whole, like, not their whole story, but their whole intro kind of story. Ulbrich is a knight who, you know, his, his, he was loyal to the king. The king was betrayed, and he was left for dead. Um, and his, you know, he's just a good fighter. He can tank for for the group, etc. But his path action is just challenge anyone you can talk to to a duel, and then you fight them. And if you win, you get XP and loot. Um, and so you can use that in the world sometimes to solve puzzle or like to, to solve side quests. 
uh, or to like open up pathways to where there'll be like someone in front of a door that has a treasure chest behind the door. And so you could use Ophelia, who is this cleric, to be like, hey, join my team, you know, as a, as a summon, basically. And th- she can t- convince someone to like join your crew for a limited period of time. Or you could have Ulbrich go and be like, yo, we're fighting now. <laughs> and then knock him the fuck out and then walk in the door and take the, the loot that's inside. Um, it's a, there are a lot of interesting little things in terms of the side quests, in terms of the, the art. It's a really gorgeous looking game. I think it's either, sometimes it's really pretty and other times it's just someone turned all the sliders all the way up on all of their graphical effects. Like, I don't know if if the three of you have seen this game or not, please just do a search for Octopath Traveler and, and look at a video, look at a trailer. It kind of feels like they just put a bunch of like Photoshop filters on sometimes. And it's like, Oh, if we just overwhelm you with things on the screen, sometimes that is mistaken for uh, something pretty. And it seems more just noisy and messy. And I I saw some, that the game sometimes would actually benefit from just being able to, like, yo, could I just, like, turn off, like, half of these? Because, like, the pixel art is really, really well done. Yes. And, like, the contrast between the 2D and 3D is really, really well done. Yes. And all the other stuff feels like like what I used to do when I got access to, like, Photoshop or Paint Shop Pro when 100%. I was 16. And it was just like, yo, I'm just going to put all this fucking shit all or I get Instagram for the first time. It's like, filters, filters, filters. You go back go back and look at those yes. photos you posted on Instagram when Instagram started. Those photos are garbage. Like, mm-hmm. they look disgusting. Disgusting now, because mm-hmm. uh, you had no self control, and it feels like sometimes Octopath Traveler has like didn't show enough restraint in yes. the way they try to dress up the two D stuff. When on its own, I think they could have gone like half half as far as they did, yes. and it still would have achieved the effect they were going. For. There are times that it totally works for me. Um, one of the one of the characters you get is a merchant, Trissa, and she lives in like a little Mediterranean seaside town. Um, and the way the water looks and the way some of the, like the, the trees blow in the wind, um, all, all works really well. And the, the kind of over, like it, it's completely overexposed, um, to the point where like everybody's face just looks blown the fuck out anywhere that isn't inside of a cave. Um, but on this like sun, sun, you know, swept Mediterranean village, it totally works. Um, but there are other times when it's just like, I can't see what you're supposed to be showing me. But all said, I like the effect. I like the, the overall presentation enough that I'm still being wowed every once in a while. I climb a mountain and see a cathedral in the distance or whatever and go like, holy shit, that looks good. Or in combat, I actually think it looks very good. Um, uh, I really love the enemy sprites a lot. I really like all of the, the kind of kinetic uh, animation around attacks and stuff like that. It does a good job of making you feel like there's good impact, sort of like Darkest Dungeon or something. Um, so you have all these characters, and then when you get into fights, the thing that it does that's like Bravely Default is that there is a, a similar system of what's called BP, which I th- think are just battle points. I mean, I guess they could, they could still be Brave it's points. British Petroleum. British Petroleum points, exactly. Right? Yep, okay. your BP points. Um, and the way it works is every turn you can do an attack, you can do a defense, you can use an item, or you can use a class ability, which is everything from casting spells to, like, doing AoE attacks with your big sword or, like, a special, you know, spear attack or um, a, a buff. If you have, like, the dancer class, you can dance in a way that gives your your party magical, you know, buffs or debuffs the enemy or whatever, right? Um, and you can do any of those any turn. And then any turn, you can also spend one of these BP to get an increased uh, effect. And with a regular attack, that just means you 
attack twice instead of once. Uh, and with any of the, like, spells, it's like you get a better effect. So, like, if you do the dance with the dancer that gives you um, uh, extra damage for two turns, it gives you, like, you know, plus physical attack for two turns, when you use one of the BP with it, it goes up to four turns or five turns. Um, and so that's already pretty interesting. And then it gets really interesting where when you take into account the fact that every enemy has between two and five or six vulnerabilities. Um, and it, the, every enemy also has these shield points where you are doing okay damage to enemies, uh, and you're just kind of going back and forth like all JRPGs, like most JRPGs, I guess. Uh, one attack, then they attack. You know, one of you attacks, then one of them attacks. But if you can destroy their shield points, and you do that by hitting their vulnerabilities, they miss a turn and take more damage from everything. And so it feels sort of like an evolution of the Bravely Default system, and it's sort of like an evolution of the Persona, Persona 3, 4, and 5 system, where what you're looking for is, what is this enemy vulnerable to, and how do I hit it with the vulnerability enough times to interrupt whatever its upcoming attacks are and then really double down. And so you're like balancing how many BP because you want to have a lot of BP once you knock down their shields so that you can really hit them hard. Or you can spend your BP to try to knock down their shields quickly by hitting them with their weak with a bunch of times in a row. It ends up being just a really satisfying uh, combat system where I'm really still, I'm 10 hours in and really enjoying all of the random uh, encounters still like I'm still there's almost something up like a puzzle like quality to it where it's like, okay if I can if I can hit this weird dung beetle that's pushing a skull with the with a lightning attack then that'll knock its shield down and then I can switch over to this rat man with a spear in his mouth and hit him with uh, I'll spend two BP to use the the dagger skill that my dancer has to knock him down and then I'll clean up with like a supercharged lightning attack from my mage uh, and that stuff just it, it feels good and uh, I've been enjoying that so far um, I, the stories are really not hit or miss, but like, yeah, that's, I've heard really mixed things about yeah. the storytelling in this game and that like, uh, especially <laughs> you would think the way this game is presented, yeah. Octopath Traveler, eight paths. Yep. It'll all come together or there'll be like a thing at the end. And apparently this yep. game has none of that. It's so just like eight stories that just kind of, so... kind of just flutter out at the end in a, in a really strange way. There's two things there. One is... Because you're also... You're, you're rotating between them, right? Like, you will hit a wall and then have to go to another character, right? Like, so you can't just, done, like... You can't just go all the way through. Yes, you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to see Cyrus the Scholar's story all the way through. Like, right. I did my first act with him, and the next act I need to be, like, level 23 with him. And I've been raising that level by going off and doing everybody else's act one story. So you're just like... It, the way the the comparison I can make is I've been in D and D games that feel like this, where you're like, okay, today we're gonna focus on Rob's character's like personal story, and the whole session is about Rob's character's personal story, and then we're all just like, oh yeah, uh, I guess I'm gonna hang out because I like Rob. I'm in the party, and in real life, I would probably have Rob just let Rob go deal with this by himself. I probably shouldn't be here while he's confronting his arch nemesis from when he was in the army twenty years ago, but. I don't know, ride or die, I guess. Um, and so in this, there definitely are moments where it's like, in the cutscenes, the rest of your crew doesn't show up. It's just once whatever character is the cutscene character. So there's a, there, you know, there's a thing early on where it's like, I'm going to sneak into the, the ancient uh, cave of, of our lost god and retrieve the, the final embers so I can continue the, the, you know, the, the old tradition and light all of the, the lanterns throughout the land. But I have to be very careful. And it's like you and three other people just like stomping <laughs> past the guards. And like, okay, I guess that that's just ignore that I'm here with them. Or, you know, characters who are like, you know, an enemy will be like, 
I got you all alone now, or like you're you're outnumbered. Like, no, you're super not outnumbered. I have three other people with me. Two of them also have summons, and have summoned two other people with them. I have six people. You have four people. I outnumber you. Um, and so it can get weird where it's just there's lots of of dissonance in terms of what you know is happening in the mechanics versus what's supposed to be happening in the story. Um, right. But I'm kind of fine with hand waving most of that. What I wish there was more of is you occasionally will get these little vignettes where your characters will talk to each other, but they're not talking to each other ever. Like you don't ever like beyond that. You're not just like doing a side quest and your knight is like, I'll challenge this person. And then your scholar is like, Hey, now, now old brick, please be, please be calm. We don't have to fight everyone. We see like, there's none of that like Bioware style bickering or banter. Um, and that is a, uh, not a bummer because I knew it going in, but I know that I would like that version of the game more. Um, but two, there is something at the end of this game from what I've read. Uh, a lot of reviewers didn't do the side quests necessary to see the end game. And I'm not throwing reviewers under the bus. Well, that sounds like a shitty way to design your game. <laughs> it, well, so it's it's side content. It's a side thing that's like, you say, yep, you can finish all the, uh, you can finish all of their personal well, but stories. Like the, if, the, if, the way, if the way is like, you finish, if you finish the game on like, let's say normal main path. Right. None of it comes together. Well, so no, it's but, not. But oh, if you do all the, the side is, stuff, then maybe you unlock it. Like, the thing is, there isn't a main path. There are eight main paths, and each of those come to a conclusion because those are all individual it's an things. Octopath. Right, and, and one of the things I, I finally I, got it. One of the things I genuinely like a lot about this game is that it is not shoving any ancient prophecy down my fucking throat. Like right. every character, there are characters who have stuff that like I can see what they're teasing already to some degree. Like Cyrus, the mm. the scholar's quest is about trying to find this lost book that's like been gone for twenty years and is about you know, summoning a demon from hell or whatever, right? And the the cleric stuff is about uh the god who helped who helped trap a demon in hell thousands of years ago or whatever. But like other characters are just like, oh, I'm here to get revenge on the on the the trio of people who killed my family or, you know, killed my my uh my dad. Or like, oh, I'm a merchant and I just want to go see the world before I settle in to my family's shop and like run my family shop. And a lot of the stuff that really works for me in this game are these little quiet moments or like the small scale of stakes where it's just about personal beef and I'm glad that it doesn't I'm, I don't know maybe 30 hours asking me this but like for now I'm happy to have whatever that other thing is be a side quest that I can pull the 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 tail on and like oh wow there's actually more and more and more here than it being the focus of any of their particular stories um but I don't know. Like I, I, I didn't need this to be Final Fantasy VI. You know what I mean? Where you do right. have all of those different characters and their stories do kind of conclude together. Um, I, I, I think I'm pretty enamored by the unique take this is going for. We'll see again if it if it continues that way. Um, I am glad it's on Switch though because yes. like the reason I stuttered out on Persona Five, a game like the 15 or 20 hours I did play, I liked a lot. Right. But it's just like the. The, J- the bad parts of the parts of JRPGs that like are really irritating for like my life at this point. Like I just did like when I was gonna sit down and play a game. Like I've, all right, I got two hours. It's like there's so many times in JRPGs where it's like this two hours is not going to accomplish anything <laughs> meaningful. Yes. Like I am just like because I need to do the two hours to set up the other two hours to do the thing, and because my my time is so limited, 
for like sitting down in front of a TV time, right? Yes. Like that's why I'm excited for Octopath because like I understand why some of this stuff exists in those games, and for some people that is an appealing part of those games. That like the like grind when done well, like is it can be escape in its own right, and I understand yes. like the the appeal of that, the calming part of that. But uh, the Switch fit like I can find like 45 minutes to like okay squirrel away like my daughter's watching a movie or she's taking a nap or she's painting or yes. whatever and like i can do those parts of the game and find the enjoyment in it but i i that's not that's not what i'm looking for when i'm sitting down in front of my projector to play a game like before i get too tired and have to go to sleep and let's so octopath on a ps4 would be like deeply deeply unappealing yes. but but octopath on a switch is like oh right like those parts of the game like I can find like that 10, 15 minutes to like sit totally. and just grind through some battles. And like, so I'm like, my group, like, this is a long way of saying, like, I just wish they put Persona 5 on the Switch <laughs> so I could actually play that game. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, like, I'm excited for Octopath to be on a device that will allow me to engage with a genre that, like, I largely find off putting because that's just not what I'm looking for totally. out of my time with games usually. We will, uh, there's a question in today's question bucket that's, that's kind of about that. And so we'll wrap back around to that for sure. Um, Here's a, it's not the only game out on Switch this week. Um, actually, yeah. really quick, really, really quick, I do want to, because I just finished the section, and I just want to say, there, the one bummer I've had so far is there's a character who I like named Primrose, who is your dancer, who is a, as a, as a combat character, she's all about buffs and debuffs, I've said that before, but her narrative, her intro, one is frustrating because it has one of the best hooks, which is her dad was killed by three men with crow tattoos, and she Assassin's Creed style like is like going to fucking find them and kill them. Um, and so she sets herself up as a dancer at a tavern where she believes that one of them has been spotted before. Um, and is also a sex worker, right? This is the character who is a sex worker. The language is not unclear about that. Um, uh, but the way her intro arc ends, like, fridges another woman in a way that's, like, meant to be really emotionally impactful, but you've never really spent time with this other character. Uh, and it, there is definitely, like, no going into Primrose's story that there will be some some words thrown at her, not just in terms of calling her a whore, uh, as the villain in that, like, first arc goes, but, like, some very specific... I didn't expect... <laughs> I didn't expect... There's one exchange specifically that I just did not expect from a Square Enix game in which the man who is effectively her pimp is basically like basically makes her an offer to like come back into his good graces in a way that's just gross. Um and is I'm not saying it's off the table as like a way of of language that should be in a JRPG or anything like that, but it it was like it felt so out of nowhere because nowhere else in this game has that tone. Um, <laughs> right, and part of part of her story works because she feels because her stuff feels darker and more real in some way. It feels like there are more particular stakes than are in like the merchant girl who fights off the pirates and saves all the loot that they'd stolen for her from her family. And now she's off to see the world. Like her adventure seems so lighthearted compared to the woman who goes into, into sex work uh, in order to track down the killers of her, of her father. Um, and I'll say like, in general, it isn't like demeaning towards sex work, but there is this just like one exchange just like struck me as being very, 
not lazy, but but it felt like a very quick shorthand for let's really fucking hate this guy you're going to go kill um, in a way that just didn't leave me feeling great. Uh, but I'm excited to see more from from that character. I mean, in fact, maybe that's the part of the thing is like I wish there were more side things and more cross party things because I want that character and the cool merchant lady to talk to each other and be like one of them is bubbly and one of them knows what the world is and I want those exchanges to happen and I don't know that it's going to happen in the way I want. Um, That's one of those instances where I wish I'd be curious if someone did a uh, comparison of yes. the original Japanese yes. text and the localization. Uh, it's just a hunch, but I, I wonder if that that's maybe a case of like the local Jason trying to do some heavy lifting that the original text uh, was didn't was vaguer on or for. something. Yeah, totally. I don't I don't know. I'm Who pulling knows? that out of my ass, Who but knows? that is that I like my my reporting on previous localizations and like you know differences between Western. Um, and Japanese values, and I'm just I'm curious if there's anything to that. I have no idea, but right. it's the way it's it's stuck out to you makes me wonder if like someone did a look at both of those if they would find anything interesting. Totally. Uh, so yeah, so that's Octopath. I'm gonna stick with it at least for this week and and see if at the end of the week if I'm still feeling it. It does fit. I'm into gonna my just, knife. I'm gonna play it too. My like, knife. I'm, my I'm, life. I'm super curious. <laughs> it fits into my knife very easily. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing too much Octopath Traveler. Anyway, switch it, knife. Switch knife. Uh, it, it is not the only Switch game that came out last week, though. Uh, no. I know a a game starring a little toad has returned to us. Do you know what time it is? N- no, what time? Wait, time what time? For adventure! That's what time it is. That's Toad is on the line. We have Toad here, <laughs> Captain Toad. How's it going? Okay. Ca- okay, I was going to ask how it was going, but I guess it's going okay. <laughs> well, 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 Does this well, game well. take place in Providence? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll stop that now. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing Captain Toad. This week Treasure on Crime. Tracker. This week on Crime Town. <laughs> God, I fucking okay. Win. Yeah, Toad would fit right in. Actually, yeah. to be quite honest with you, Toad fit right the fuck in in Providence, Rhode Island. Nobody oh. would bat an eye. I feel like I knew people who talked like that. Actually, um, but yeah, I'm playing Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which just came out on the Switch. Uh, it's one of the finest Wii U games, along with Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which also came out on the Switch in the last few months. I came out in May, and this is obviously July, so you know, it's been a couple months since we had a 2014, uh, one of the best games of 2014 come back out on the <laughs> Switch. Uh, yeah, yeah, I back that up 100%. Captain Toad is an all-time, all-time great puzzle game. Like, not just thank like, you. ah, good for the Wii U, like... All-time great puzzle game. It's fantastic. I need. To, I, I. It is exactly the sort of game that I actually would like a lot and need to yes. find the time to play. It's because... a. It's a platformer with no jumping. Yes, it's like a exactly. really good puzzle platformer with no jumping. Everything you're doing is traversal, sort of walking around. Captain Toad walks pretty slowly, and uh, manipulating the camera so that you find the right optimal sort of paths through these very cool 3D levels. They're very much like little. Uh, they called them. I remember actually. Uh, back when I was at Polygon, I had an interview for Captain Toad when they were sort of showing it off with some of the designers, and they called it a garden in a box. That's mm. their sort of design philosophy for these puzzles. <laughs> I love you, Nintendo. It's really lovely and evocative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very Nintendo. It's very, you know, very, very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. You can see <laughs> yes. a direct line from Captain Toad to, like, the experiments in Super Mario Odyssey. Yes. Um, yes. Which is a very expansive version of Captain Toad in a lot of ways. This huh. sensational. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the, first the lack was... of a toad, though. Wait, what do oh. you what? What do you mean the lack of a Oh, right. Toad is the name of this mushroom person. 
Yes. Rob. It's been a while since I've had a Nintendo platform in my life. Oh, you th- you were I looking see. for the uh, frog adjacent yes. code. I yeah, see. I, 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 like literally for this I last see. week, I've been like, okay, so it's probably some sort of like uh, frog and toad are friends inspired right. thing. You're like a Mr. Toad style. Yeah, adventure. and like Captain Toad, I pictured him as being like, you know, one of those like old British army officers that like still goes yeah. by his title, even though he hasn't been with the regiment in like 30 oh. years. Right, no, that's um, the I mean, character from Crime Town. That's him. That's him. That's him. But with a Rhode Island accent yeah. yes. as well. He's but... moved. To, he moved to Providence. <laughs> Sorry, but I will say it's a wild ride. So that's uh, appropriate, you know, basically for what's going on here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Moment of silence for my joke that died. Anyway, uh, it's a really, really great game. Uh, obviously, there's there's not a ton new here. There are a few new things. Um, I'm only a couple hours in. I'm, I'm probably going to put several more hours into it. Uh, but there are a few extra things. There's something like a little pixel toad mode, so you can actually go into puzzles you've already solved and uh, sort huh. of scour it for these tiny little pixel toads that are very much sort of from Mario Odyssey. There was like, uh, like 2D right, right. sections of Mario yes. Odyssey. Okay, so it's, it's a lot like that. You're looking for a tiny little pixel toad, so you're basically rotating the camera all over the place to just kind of look and find, uh, which is actually fun. I enjoy that kind of uh, thing because I really like looking at these kinds of levels and sort of puzzling out how they were designed uh, and all that other good stuff. It's also just a, a fantastic game that uh, has a lot going on mechanically, even though your, your operations are very similar. Like, you're just right. kind of walking around. That's the only way you're interacting necessarily with the world other than spinning around the camera. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting things going on. There are sort of little touch things going on. There are things like uh, moving panels in a certain sort of sequence so that you can drop down a particular way uh, to get the sort of extra. Uh, there's like little gems. There's three hidden gems in each level as well as the sort of star. Oh, they're the so level. fun oh, to find. So like if I, yeah. I've, I've, I've pushed this line with Nintendo games mm-hmm. since around uh, Nintendo or Super Mario 3D Land in which I think like Nintendo hides... Uh, some of its most clever designs uh, behind collectibles in a way that is not as exploitative of people's time as lots of other games use collectibles. And I think there is no better um, example of that than Captain Toad. Like some of the Captain Toad is probably the last game I can think of where I did I everything. Like I found everything top to bottom. The only thing I couldn't finish was like the last sort of like challenge room thing where you have to survive for like 10 minutes. There was something that I just couldn't. Couldn't quite oh, wow. get over the, the hump on, but I, I found everything in, in that game, and uh, it was deeply satisfying because it wasn't just about collecting it. Like, I like the comparison I would make was, like, uh, like playing through any of the Uncharted games, there's all these little, like, you know, doodads and, you know, artifacts you can find along the way, but it's not, I, I never found it satisfying. It felt like you were just checkboxing. It was just like, oh, there's a hundred things to get, so, like... I don't know, go load up a YouTube walkthrough where it's like, oh, right, like, walk over here, go collect the thing. Like, it was, it's purely for the trophy. Um, I didn't find that, like, they were necessarily a, a reward for really understanding the environment. Um, and Captain Toad, especially because the areas are so small, it allows you to compartmentalize, like, oh, this is actually a task that I can do because this area is so tiny. It has mm. to be here. And so when you do find it, there is such a deep satisfaction in the sort of um, you know, unlocking some sort of like puzzle box sort of way, like aha, like I put the camera at just this angle and the character at just this angle, and then boom, like I found uh, this little uh, uh, piece of treasure. And yeah, it's it, it is I think probably Nintendo's finest example of making uh, collectibles like a rewarding uh, uh, form of game design as opposed to just padding the game itself. 
Yeah. The I, from watching it again, it, I realized that one of the things that it recalls for me is the Go series of games that that um, uh, Idos yeah. Square, out. yeah, Square, yeah. Square. I was like Square, but that's not right. Idos Square <laughs> put out around uh, uh, Hitman, Lara Croft, and DSX. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Lara Croft Go, which I think is the best of those. And if you, if any of y'all have not played those games, Lara Croft Go is genuinely really, you can, really, really, yeah. You great. can skip the DSX one. It's yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. not bad. It's but it's it's but, but the the, the, the yeah the, the Hitman, Hitman and, and the yeah the Lara Croft ones are, are both tr- tremendous games. Um, I love those games, and it's like oh okay yes this is actually like a much more complex version of those in, in some ways um <coughs> obviously it's real time and not turn-based um but i i really want to play this this looks mr toad's wild ride i get it it took Thanks. me a second danielle Thanks. i got it just now <laughs> it's hot. that was like it's 300 hot. seconds to be honest uh I'm, I got it. I was I like, was really I went to Disneyland a couple years, like a year and a half well, ago. Like, I got yeah. that reference. I had just referenced Mr. Toad, but somehow had forgotten the name yes. of that story. That's on me. That's that famous me. children's no, story, I, Mr. Toad. I thought I was going to get a little reaction from that one. I, I was just definitely blanked. like, hey, all right, fine. All right. Well, I'm really glad that you, you appreciated it. <laughs> um, uh, what, uh, so the new stuff there is like, you said there's just the Pixel Toad, like extra collectible. Is yeah, there, uh, it's, it's sort of like a, it's... It's an extra incentive to go back and scour these. Again, they're very little. They're very small, sort right, of right, right. Uh, finite kind of puzzles. Uh, and I wouldn't say rooms, because none of them are in a room. It's almost like a tiny 3D world that you it's can... It's like a diorama or something. Often little squares, yeah, like diorama. Right. Again, the, the garden in a box kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that you can just sort of twist around and look around. So it's it's another thing you can do in those worlds, especially right after you maybe beat it. So it's like, oh, and now there's another thing you can go right. and, and sort of look for. Uh, also, and it's satisfying if you find it satisfying to look through the world and get everything anyway, as Patrick right. was kind of saying. So, yeah. You know what? Toad's gotten, Toad has Toad got a bad rap. You know, Toad didn't get <laughs> to be the hero. Let Toad live. Let Toad be yeah. the winner. Let Toad be your your hero. Let Toad and into Toadette your heart. And is also a hero in this game, oh, too. Awesome. They, they sort of switch off being the hero, which is okay. really cute. Nice. Uh, and, yeah. So... And there are bosses. That's the other thing that's oh, interesting neat. about this. There are sort of like action bosses uh, that, again, you're always sort of a little slow. You're not the, you know, you're not Mario. Right. You're not jumping you on anyone's jump, head. Right. But you, you get your timing right and you can sort of manipulate the environment in such a way that you, you know, best these bosses. So it's a, it's a really fun little you challenge. Know, don't I forget think. in Mario 2, Toad is the best one at pulling things out of the ground. You know, Toad's the best puller. He's the best is. at pulling, and you do a lot of that in this game. Actually, you do there, a lot of they call them pluck patches, and you and you throw little vegetables at shy guys. It's great. Pluck patches is my favorite recurring <laughs> Souls character. Um, all right, we oh, no. <laughs> we should take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Rob and Patrick about stuff they've been playing, and maybe take a couple of uh, questions out of the old question bucket. We will be right. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All 
All right, we are back for real now. Uh, Patrick, Rob, tell me, we wanted to start with Nintendo Switch things that had just come out, but do either of you have any video games you've been playing, whether whether recently released or not? We haven't heard a lot from Rob. Rob? Rob, tell, tell me. Us, what are you what are you doing? Transport Rob, me somewhere. What are I'm going to close doing? my eyes. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to feel the the warmth and heat from the summer, from the summer outside, the summer sun on my cheek. Teleport me somewhere. Bring me bring me somewhere else. All right. Well, uh, as you sit there with your eyes closed. Yeah. You feel the summer heat, but you notice it begins to dry and grains of sand oh, no. begin to flick across your face. And then the it's street noise the outside. Gone. The street noise outside fades to the low rumble of an approaching sand carrier. A sand carrier? Yes. Like in Star Wars. A bit, but more like an aircraft carrier rather than a big Volkswagen bus <laughs> driving across the desert full of shit that you're trying to sell to gullible farmers. All right, you're losing me a little bit. Aircraft carriers are really big. How am I supposed to do anything with an aircraft carrier? Big I enough get the whole... It's a hover aircraft carrier, but not like a helicarrier. It's it's it, it hovers a little bit. Well, some of them is do. Nick Fury here? Uh, no. Instead, you've got a variety of factions who are fighting a battle over artifacts located out there in the desert that hold the secret to your people's past. All right, I'm all the way in. You said all my favorite words: factions, artifacts, yeah, peoples, and you said peoples with an S on the end. I did. That's I- how I know it's for me. Yeah, there are there are many cultures on this desert, but this is not your homeworld. This is not where your people are from. You are exiles here, and written into the souls of your people is the knowledge that one day you must leave this place. But why were you placed there? Why are you stuck here on this desert planet? And why do some people in your why why do some of the cultures, uh, you know, w- within your w- within your race? Why do some of the cultures? Get very antsy about the idea of uncovering the secrets. What are they guarding? What are they? What are they? What secrets do they have? Exactly. And Does Guccifer work for them? Uh, or do they work for the for Guccifer? That's the real <gasps> question, and that's and that is one of the questions you'll have to answer in Homeworld Deserts of Karak, which is actually a prequel. <laughs> I this. Wow, this is the weirdest stage show I've ever been to at E3. I love this. And those are some of the questions you'll answer this year in Homeworld Deserts of Karak. <laughs> too real. Too real. I've been in too many demos in that actually. way. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, um, yeah, so it's a prequel of the Homeworld games, and it's actually a very clever one. Um, and this is this game's a couple years old, but I got back into it this weekend. I was playing Skirmish uh, with, with some folks, and I'd forgotten just how it's like straight up one of the best rts games of like the last five years uh but yeah this is one of those games that all that this is one of those games i didn't play i wanted to play but that um has had such a a pretty positive uh response that always makes me this is the style of game that makes me go okay wait slow down whenever anybody says the rts is dead um and that's a style of game that exists in every genre it's like the style of game that exists where like someone will say the adventure game died between blank and blank it's like well wait a second what about this one thing that was really fucking good and that just didn't what we mean is maybe it didn't find a big audience it didn't have a huge impact the way that this genre used to but from everything i've heard and from even just the little tease you just gave me deserts of karak sounds great yeah and it's evocative uh in that way like there is a tremendous sense of place and physicality to just the way the units move over the sand like watching right. these aircraft carriers like 
hurl themselves over like massive dunes and then like hit the back slope and start like churning downwards through the dune. Uh, it's like really incredible to watch. Like you have the sense of the incredible like vastness of the desert and the scale of the units, um, and just like the narrative is really good. If you recall the sort of the precipitating event of the the original Homeworld games is like your people have just created like a generation ship to take to the stars and like go search for life for a different planet to live on, and the minute that ship takes flight, aliens show up and basically say like. You're breaking the agreement. Mm-hmm. Like, you were told never to do this. You've broken the agreement, therefore you know the consequences. Nobody knows the consequences, but it turns out they just <laughs> blast the planet, basically. Right. Um, and this takes place before all that, in sort of the moment where, uh, you know, your your culture realizes that it could leave this planet. Like, it uncovered the secrets of how they got dumped there in the first place. And they could take to the stars again. Uh, but ha- like sort of half the sort of nations in your, in your culture are like aggressively against the idea of anyone investigating mm-hmm. these wrecks uh, because like they may not know the reason why they feel like they have to prevent anyone from uncovering these secrets, but they're the only thing they do know is that it's their job to prevent anyone from sort of uh, regaining the stars. Uh, but as an RTS, it's just, it's so good. Um, you know, I, I can't talk too much about like the faction differences, but um, it's re- like the the matches play at a really decent clip. Uh, like you, 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 there are some very clear and pointed choices you have to make about the way you're going to sort of um, adv- advance upwards uh, through through the mm-hmm. tech tree. Um, but one of the coolest features of this is your aircraft carrier. It is like your home base. And it has, like, you can unlock greater and greater, like, energy points you can dump into its systems. So, Austin, it's kind of like a battle mech. It does seem like that. I'm watching, I'm looking at a video of it right now, and there are all these different things you could upgrade on this giant command center, like, mobile hovercraft supercarrier. It looks cool. Yeah, you can, like, put all the points into the guns and the armor and just turn it into, like, a giant battleship. Or you can basically park it somewhere strategic and like crank up its sensors uh, and mm. its repair beams, and like it becomes like a forward operating base, but like can't see combat. Right. Um, and so you're you're sort of playing around with that stuff, um, and it's also got like maybe the best air unit management interface I've ever seen. Um, like you basically have a little um, like interface panel that has all the fighters, bombers, and uh, helicopters that are on your carrier, and mm-hmm. you scramble them by unit type um, oh, and cool. send them on different missions. And then with so one button, like you can return micromanaging seven different fighters or whatever. Right, you you're never just like, have to hunt down your fighters, really. Like, right, you just... Right. You're just like, hey, go bomb this thing, please. Yeah, exactly. And then it does that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, it, like, I've been, I've been playing the hell out of that, and, like, it is still a, an absolute delight. And honestly, the campaign is great. Uh, the campaign especially will give you some like battle tech vibes, mm-hmm. uh, but ancient technology that's like you can't just rebuild it because it's old. Yeah, and the art style stuff. and presentation, like just oh, a lot. Right. I of, remember a lot of the sense of like just some really gorgeous, uh, you know, like like slightly animated, uh, you know, 
splash art and such. Like more than a motion comic, but not right. fully rendered animation, right? Right. Um, but then also the, the, both the art and just the way the missions are constructed, um, it's one of those games that does give you... Like, you know in Battletech, there's a sequence where you go to like a long-lost like storehouse. Yes, um, I super do. Yeah. It's great. This game is full of moments like that, cool. where like you feel the dead hand of the past like reaching across <laughs> the eons to to touch you. It's amazing. Uh, it. So I highly recommend it. And like, I don't know if there's much community around it, but like you find a couple people to play with. It's still yeah. just a an absolute blast as an RTS. Awesome. I'm glad that you've you've dug this one out from the past. It's it's I'd forgotten about this game, uh, uh, and it seems it seems dope. Yeah, I think cool. I think it's a good summer jam for you, Austin. Oh yeah, I like I need more for all more that free time. List. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Patrick, how about you? What do you you got anything new bopping over there? It's not I, all Hollow Knight all the time. All right, um, I'll say this: I'll be I'll be short about it. I I could probably talk about Hollow Knight for uh, a couple of hours, honestly. Yeah, like, I'm, we I'm need fully to figure the, it out. I'm, yeah, I'm fully in the the thick of it. Like I I'm I believe I've set up with whatever the end game is Ooh, okay i'll say this three things appeared on my map okay yes I, i've done I, that that cutscene's great um, but that whole sequence so, where they get added is really good yeah yeah um uh and uh i don't know like i maybe that's not true but it feels like based on what i have to do roughly based on what other people talk about how long the game took them i was like oh okay like once i do all this and then do all that stuff i can see where like the next like 12 hours are in this game right and how i reach i don't know how the dlc intersects blah 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 anyway uh, I tweeted this weekend because uh, there's something kind of dawned upon me as I've been uh, playing it. Like, I, th- there are games you play and, and you like them, um, and, and sometimes like you, the true appreciation you have for a game happens later, like you know either through discussion or reflection. Yeah. Um, but it's like I, I, it's like very rare to play a game that like in the middle of playing it, it like you realize both how special it is and like where it fits like, in a larger sense of what you appreciate about video games. Like, I'm playing Hollow Knight, and, like, I feel super confident saying it's already one of my favorite games that, like, I've ever played. Like, I don't know where it's going to go the rest of the way, but, like, I felt that way playing Splunky. I felt that way playing Dark Souls. I felt that way playing Bloodborne. I think I'd actually kick Dark Souls off my top ten at this point and would put Bloodborne in 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 uh, in exchange. I think they're both great games. I think Bloodborne just kind of scratched an itch slightly differently. Um but like how like I like Metroid style games and 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 this is like absolutely an all time great like a game that is in concert and conversation with a Super Metroid and is one of like I feel that confident playing it and it feels special to realize that before you get to the end where you can like just appre- I I appreciate it more knowing how much I already enjoy it uh and it's been yeah like I I'm so excited to play more of this game um and I'm glad that like if there's hours beyond just yeah uh the main story there's like so much more I can I can get at um but yeah uh like the thing that you mentioned that I don't want to spoil um about like the, the fact that a a whole button on the controller doesn't do anything <laughs> yeah and then they they add that um and and uh, I don't want to like overstate what that does to the game sure. but it's it's a it's such a uh, it's both a small and big addition in a way that uh, it's it very cool. Get, like that—that's the moment when it clicked for me, and I was like, "Oh, the, 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 okay. I don't just like this game, and I don't just love this game. Like, it is an all-time great one of these games yeah. because this is what like this is what a game like that does. This is what a game that is that special and that smart it does something like this, um, and it does stuff like that all the goddamn time. And furthermore, the other thing is." Uh, 
I'm just constantly shocked at how much this game does not give a shit whether you run into things. Like, at all. There are so many, like, even when you play, like, a Super Metroid uh, or any other of, like, the, the best of this style of game, you will always run into all the big sort of, like, weapon unlocks and, like, ability. Like, there is a core sort of, like, thing you're supposed to, like, uh, progression uh, that you're going to go uh, along as a character. And these are the things that run along the periphery are like, oh, like, extra health upgrades and weapon upgrades. Like, like that stuff uh, is optional and is rewarded by explanation. There are core parts of things you can do as a character. The game is perfectly happy with you never, ever finding. Um, I, uh, I, the, uh, the, the NPC that lets you upgrade your, like, main weapon, they, yeah. which they call the nail, the game does not, like, put you on a critical path to find him. No. I When I was uh, Googling about how the upgrading system works in the game, I did find him and then realized, like, what material I need in order to upgrade. There was a Reddit thread where someone was like, yo, I'm 35 hours in this game, got to the final boss, and just now stumbled upon the NPC that lets me do weapon upgrades. What the fuck, Hollow <laughs> Knight? Uh, yeah, it'd be and, very easy to miss that character uh, if you if you were not listening very closely to some NPC dialogue and stuff like that. That or just stumbled upon it. Like, yeah, so much totally. happens with just you... Uh, there are, like, major things I have found that is just because I swung my nail and, like, hit a wall that cracked. Right. And then I hit it two more times, it opens, and then I find something very vital and important. Or it or, seems vital or, and important to my playthrough, right? Like, right. this is part of what's brilliant about Hollow Knight is that it has a critical path in a sense, but your your way along that... Like, if the critical path is a straight line, like... Like, the way you actually crisscross through that critical path is up and down like a graph, and every player is going to do that differently. Uh-huh. And the the confidence this game has to say, we're just going to let you, f- not hope you'll figure it out, but just, this is the world, and yep. g- go forth. Like, it just has a confidence that, like, so, not even this style of game, just so few games have, where, like, games are so afraid you're going to miss things. And Hollow Knight goes in the other direction and says, like, actually... We expect you're going to miss most things, yeah. and that's okay. And just, ah, it's just the first game from a team. I cannot imagine what they do from here, and just <laughs> fucking Hollow Knight. What a, what a game. What a um, game. Did you – there are also things that you can meet that are just like NPCs who, as far as I can tell, maybe have nothing to add except like a little tiny brief bit of – uh, dialogue and uh, kind of world building stuff. I know some of them aren't aren't that much. Where it's like there's like that really tall bug whose head sticks up from one screen to another one, and the one <laughs> yeah. in the stag stag. Whatever. Yeah, the yeah. the one. Uh, yeah, the one that's eating food. Yes, yes. Um, but there's one, and then you find out something interesting about that creature if you <laughs> get a certain ability later. Oh, oh, I've not gone back. I should go back. That's a, that's interesting. You should go back. Uh, the one who I love is there is a character named uh, Emilicia or something like that who is the she's just a character who's like sitting in a room laughing to herself in the city of tears. I don't know if you found her, Patrick. Um, and she's just like she just seems kind of like disconnected from everything terrible outside. You're like, oh, poor creature. Oh, you know, she's it's such a sad story. She's stuck here in all this ruin, and she has no idea what's going on here. Um, but you actually get an ability, again, without going into too much detail of how it works, that can give you extra perspective on, like, what the characters are really up to. And it's just this very dark turn with that character, where you're like, oh, shit, she is, like, completely of sound mind and totally understands that everything is terrible and just believes she's on the right side of it all and will, like, live out 
anything bad in this area, she'll live through it and come out the other side looking clean and pretty. And it's just like, oh, that's such a good use of Ivanka? being able to shine some, huh? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I didn't hear what you said. Very Ivanka um, Trump. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, good. It's, it's extremely good. Uh, the, like, those little bits. And you could just miss that. Like, that's not essential for understanding where no. to go or what to do. But it's very good at coloring the world uh, a little bit. Um, and as someone that, uh, like, d- is never really engaged in the, the lore and story side of Souls, I actually found it, I have always found it, like, obtuse to the point of, like annoyance, um, right? Right. Uh, it, it it never it did, just didn't grab me in that way. Like um, it was just a little too disconnected, and I didn't I didn't want to want to go watch lore videos um, when people describe to me the story of those games. They're like, oh, that sounds very interesting. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't get <laughs> yeah, any that of that from playing it. Sincere. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like and it's, it, theoretically interesting, I guess. Right. Um, but like part of my disconnect from it as a as a player, I guess feeds into my disinterest in engaging with it like outside of the the game itself um i think hollow knight uh like tells a soulsian story in a certain sense but it is a lot easier and more manageable to engage with without being like here's a cutscene that explains everything that's happening like it's it's far more in like in the somewhere in the uh in the middle i guess where it's like it's not spelling everything out it's not giving you all the information but if you want to like play along like if you want to like be poking and prodding and putting together larger sort of like pieces of the lore and and the world building it's i guess more accessible it is more accessible without being spoon-fed um and so i'm actually finding myself in like enjoying and entertaining and theorizing in a way that i never did with uh the, the Souls games. I found Bloodborne like be much more approachable. Like I guess Soul like Dark Souls one. The Souls games specifically, I always found sort of obtuse in a way that I I just never quite got onto. Maybe it's the Lovecraftian stuff in Bloodborne that maybe I just Gave had a better foundation into, for it. But yeah. um, but yeah, the um, the yeah they show a lot of restri- It's very clear that early on in that process they were like, we need to tell a more straightforward consumable story than the Souls games do. But we need to retain some very key pillars on how that story is told as not to under as not to like dumb it down um they did a good job of that so shout outs to that team um all right let's hit the question bucket real quick does that sound good yeah Mm -hmm. let's hit that question love to hit the questions and the question buckets first question today if you have a question of course you can send it to gaming at vice.com uh first question comes in from roz uh who says as someone who had waited till adulthood to get into gaming i've been determined to try a bit of everything and catch up on the last 30 plus years of history that i missed it's been frustrating to admit that i just don't have the patience for some types of games zelda unfortunately being a big offender i love the lore and the characters and i played the first few hours of almost every game but the only one i could stick with was breath of the wild thanks to the bite-sized, mostly optional shrines. I know 10-year-old me would have loved the exploration, puzzle-solving, and trial and error that define games like Majora's Mask, and I regret that I couldn't have played it when I had the tenacity to match. Uh, Do y'all have any games that you think you would have enjoyed better if you could have played them at a different time in your life? Some nodding happening here. Yeah, is that that what what it is for you, Danielle? (laughs) Primarily. Um... Something like Persona, I remember watching uh, somebody play all through Persona mm-hmm. 5, and I was like, that looks cool. I do not have the patience on <laughs> Earth to to kind of sit there and, and go through all the motions. And just like you were talking about earlier, uh, Austin and Patrick, about sort of 
having the time to play something. And the fact that it's on Switch makes it a lot easier, obviously, to actually sort of go through uh, and play stuff. And I've really loved a lot of JRPGs, primarily on portable systems. I've really liked mm-hmm. all the SMT games uh, that I've played on the 3DS, for example. And I've really liked, you know, Chrono Trigger back in the day. And the fact that it was, you know, later on came out on the DS really helped as well. But yeah, uh, for me, it's it's a lot of just really long games that have a lot of grinding in them. Uh, it just, it's it's hard to make that make sense in a busy life, for sure. Totally. I mean, like, so many older games in themselves were these expressions of luxurious amounts of leisure. Like, somebody (laughs) sent me uh, a few years ago a bunch of old, like, Avalon Hill War games. Like, the old ones. Uh, So, like, Third Reich, uh, Fall of France, stuff like that. Things that, like, will consume a dining room table. Mm -hmm. uh, But they're all, like, die-cut counters. And so, like... Uh, you, you know, imagine like a, a half inch uh, counter, uh, you know, a game that's the scale it operates on. It consumes your entire entire like table and is meant to be played over a period of like weeks. Um, and that, that was an ethos uh, back in the day. And it wasn't just like <laughs> it, it wasn't just like sort of, you know, that was sort of the state of the art at the time. But there was also kind of an ethos about like why they made choices to simulate things that way. Uh, you know, the, the, t- you'd have pages and pages of like self-justifying d- designer's notes. Early right. PC war right. games were the same way. And I look at these things and, and I talk to friends who like, you know, played games like that. And I ferociously envy them having been contemporaries of games like that, where you could find games like that, like people who played them and experience them as they're meant to be. Because on my bookshelf, they're objets d'art, right? Like it's it's just it's it's a thing that like I can see how it worked, but right. it's an artifact of like a dead civilization in, in some ways, <laughs> and yeah, you, and you can't go back. Like I can talk to like you know I'm um, gonna see him later this week, but my my buddy from Three Moves Ahead, Bruce Garrick, he played all this shit. Well, I'd have to hold a gun on him to get him to play these <laughs> games again. Like the moment has passed, the the art has moved right. on, but there was something of merit there. It's just it passed. Yeah, that's how I feel about a lot of tabletop role-playing games that are super crunchy in the same way. Um, there's a there's an RPG coming out that's in playtest now, a tabletop RPG called Lancer, which is like a mecha, like it's like a it's like a BattleTech RPG, right? I mean, there are also there is actually a BattleTech RPG, but but Lancer is, is very similar to that, and it's like one of the crunchiest. It's not one of the crunchiest. It, it is a very crunchy game, uh, which is to say, for people who don't know that terminology, it means it's very rules heavy. It means there's lots of little tiny moving parts and variables. Um, it means that like there are special rules for for doing lots of different types of attacks in combat for different types of movement and momentum. Um, It's like the difference between like uh, the Sims, which is, you know, the Sims has a lot of rules in it, but Dwarf Fortress has way more rules. Dwarf Fortress is much crunchier as a game than the Sims is. Uh, And I'm at the point now where in my tabletop RPG days or time, I want more of the Sims and less of Dwarf Fortress. Um, Or I want something that can produce the sorts of stories that something like Dwarf Fortress produces without the crunchiness, right? Um, and, And that's kind of a bummer in some ways because that is a function partially of time but it's also a function of taste changing like i played Shadowrun in college i played cyberpunk 2020 in college i don't know that those games would be to my taste today they're just not in terms of as the games are designed 
not built that way. And that can be a bummer. I mean, a game I think about a lot is like, I played enough of the original XCOM to like get why people fell in right. love with it. Yes. And like, there's a lot to love about X, the, the new XCOM 1, XCOM 2. Uh, there, there's a lot of great stuff there. There's aspects of that original experience that are simply not translated to the new generation. Like the entire, the entire feeling of like the squads, I think were like 15 squad members in the original game. And that meant a lot of them were expendable. And so you have this feeling of sending is very aliens ask where like some of these troopers were just out there to draw fire and go get murdered in the darkness (laughs) of the map. And that's incredibly evocative and intense when it happens. And it's a cool moment, but to get that moment, you're playing this really fussy, wide-ranging, endless tactical yeah. game that, like, I'll make my compromise. I'll give up that moment so I can just play the fucking mission in a session with Austin, yeah. in, you know, in an hour. Yeah. Like, that's the choice I'll make. Totally. Yeah, we could to. not do Tactical Tuesdays with original XCOM. It would not be... You couldn't fit into the schedule. We just couldn't. Um, we'd also, all my misclicks would get us completely wiped oh out. Oh my god, I'd have murdered you hours. by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that built something else though, which is funny, which is, you talk about playing XCOM with me. Uh, the other thing for me here is co-op games. I look at something like Deep Rock Galactic, which I think has a fucking cool-ass style and the pitch on it, which is like, what if instead of being, it's like, it's like Left for Dead, but you're a bunch of dwarf, like sci-fi space dwarves digging through caverns to like destructible caverns to looking for minerals and like using cool traversal abilities to get across you know chasms and what do you has a grapple gun to set up cool things and what do you has a jetpack like it's a it looks oh. dope it looks so cool and also that's not how i play games anymore like that's part of why PUBG was such an exception for my life last year was like i don't spend my night time my free time playing games with other people anymore. Um, I like the quiet games at night that I can play by myself or like while, you know, hanging out with somebody else or on a call with somebody else or while watching something. And I, and like, they have to be almost like, that's why like the rise of podcast games, so to speak, ha- has been so big for me because like, that's what the bulk of my, my non-work game playing is like. Um, whereas 10 years ago, like five years ago, even in the age of Borderlands 2, in the age of Left 4 Dead 1 and 2, like I would have eaten up a game like Deep Rock Galactic. I would have eaten up a game like um, uh, the – what's the co-op uh, RPG? Um, the second one came out and it's now out on consoles. So it's coming out on consoles. Um, Divinity Original Sin 2 is oh. like something that like yeah, I would yeah. – 10 years ago, I would have played – I would have played that through multiple times with different people. Because that's what my gaming habits were like. And I wish those games had been out then instead of it just being me playing Left 4 Dead over and over and over and over and over again with the same three people, you know. Um, so those are it for me. Uh, Patrick, can, can I guess JRPG again or do you have something else in mind? Well, too? I mean, that's true. But uh, like I know what JRPGs are. Mm. Um, and so like for me, it's actually like it's board games. Like I don't sure. I don't have the like. Like, I have a framework for, like, even if I do find, like, Octopath, like, I have a framework for what that game is. I can right. jump into it. I can, I can you know, quickly start playing it and enjoying it uh, for what it is. Like, I don't really play board games. I don't have a framework for board games. I didn't grow up playing board games. Um, but, like, so the, like, the mental financial hurdle to getting into board games is such that, like, you know, I just I don't have the time for it. I I'm I'm like worried that it, like okay, if I'm gonna go into this one, maybe I don't like this one. Well, say, like, you don't like, know what you the, like at all. It's so you're right. totally dead on. Like there's so much work that needs to be done whenever you enter a new genre or medium or anything. We're like, hey, what the fuck do I like? What is out there to begin with? 
And then it's, you know, furthermore, like, you know, I know the amount of time it takes to even just get into a place to start playing a game. And so the idea of like, oh, I'm going to spend like $150 on a board game. I'm going to have to put aside a day to learn how it works. And then what if I find out that I don't enjoy it? It's like, I don't know that I like I with absent someone that could be like your your board game spirit guy. That's like, I already own all this stuff. Tell me what kind of things you like, you know, like someone that could like funnel me there and like hold my hand like without that. It's just it's just no world for me to do it um, because I just do not have the time to invest to figure that out. And like apps and all that other stuff, like I don't I don't know how that changes. Right. Like that. There's just it's so just really difficult to imagine that because I don't know have... your um, to your I need both. Like, I, like but like yeah. the, the the someone that was able to be like a guide yes. would help me be able to like jump over some right. of the time hoops. Right. Like so it's like it's not just me and my wife sitting down figuring out, OK, uh, none of our other friends played board games, but if we asked people to come over and like do something for a night, they would. But it's like, so we need to figure out which is the one, you know what I mean? Like good. there's just so yeah. many hurdles yeah. to, to getting there that like I could, I could scrape out the time part if I knew that I could get right to the heart of it really quickly with someone that's like, I'm pretty sure this is what you like this, or this is a good entry. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that sort of yeah. thing could at least get me there. But you know, I don't have that stuff. I can't imagine a world where that changes. Um, I am hard. excited because my kid's about to turn two, which means our lives are going to start becoming less antisocial. Mm-hmm. Because once they're two, you can sign them up for classes, which means you meet other parents that have the same <laughs> age kid as you, which means you end up doing like things with other parents again. Right. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and I'll run into someone that, you know, is into board games or wants to learn board games. And then it's like, okay, our kids are going to hang out together. Like we can, you know, start carving out that time and figuring it out. But I, I, I I'm. I don't think that's going to see insufferable as I am. I'm like, oh, I got recommendations. For, I can get Patrick sort of set up and on his, on his way, like right the fuck now. And like, I'm gonna shoot some emails your way. I'm gonna make some introductions real quick. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, the thing that you need, or in my experience, as both a board game learner and a board game teacher, I want to be in the room with someone and see how they react to something. Because as a learner, I often didn't know what I liked and didn't like. Even as I was liking it and didn't and not liking it, like even as I played um, a game, I I would sometimes be like, I just don't like how it's so random. And like, what's that mean actually, Austin? Like, there's dice and randomness in in most games. What is the thing that feels? Dig into that a little bit. And I was grateful that I had more. Uh, and you know, uh, wise and and storied tabletop uh, board game players who could be like, okay, the thing that you're actually talking about isn't randomness; it's that there are the outcomes are hidden from you that you don't know what potential outcomes could be. You're cool over here when there's randomness, but you can see what the six or twenty possible outcomes are, and like that by bit by bit, it drilled me down to know that I like this type these types of board games i have a high tolerance for ridiculous ameritrash high theme board games and and also can respect but maybe don't want to play a lot of the kind of like super crisp euro games where everything is abstracted into into little chits and like you just kind of move tiles around and call them samurai you know um it's it's fun it has been fun to learn sounds like you were talking shit about sakigahara Listen, I'm just saying that no, I'm not talking shit about Sakihara. Uh, Sakihara is totally fine, um, but I I was talking shit to that style of, or t- I'm talking shit about like worker management games um, that aren't themed particularly strongly. Um, I like theming, like I like. That's one of the reasons I wish Patrick. I would love for you to get into board games. I like everybody who likes video games should 
I, I, it's hard. You're not wrong. But I think we'd all be better as game critics and game, you know, players and people in the marketplace of game ideas if we all had the shared language of board games because one, it board games can teach you how to like mechanics for the sake of mechanics in a way that most AAA games aren't necessarily that good at like like showing you that you like that stuff. Well, they hide it. They, they hide it's it. obfuscated yes. under you know graphics. Yep. and hundred percent. Other things. hundred uh, percent. And every now and then something breaks through. Um, but even then, it's it's hard. Whereas board games is like that's their fucking bread and butter. Or you could be like me and learn that actually you do want graphics. And sometimes in the case of board games, what graphics means is. A giant fucking bullshit map and a bunch of different card decks to look through, and I really like the Android board game. It's terrible. It's terrible, but look it up. So it's very like fun. Android Netrunner? Yeah, the Android Netrunner like universe was born in this board game that Fantasy oh, so Flight made. Oh, so that why the license Android. ends up yes. expiring? Well, no. The, so no, they have the license for Android forever. Fantasy Flight owns Android. That's their setting. What they don't have the license for anymore is Netrunner, the card game that was originally made by Richard Garfield for Wizards of the Coast. Which, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna cyberbrain, you know, like galaxy oh. brain, but I'm gonna cyberbrain really quick. Um, so that reverted. So this was in the news. We didn't talk about it on the podcast. Uh, Android Netrunner is going out of print very shortly. Which is weird, because one. this is a game that appears to be at its, like, zenith, right? Peak. Like, they just did yes, a reissue totally. of the starter set. Like, yes, they just it is a massively popular set. competitive game. And, yes, it's, ma- again, massively popular competitive game, huge scene, fantastic scene, great game. One of my favorite games, period. Um, and, for whatever reason, Fantasy Flight was unable or didn't re-up the license. They had to license that game from Wizards of the Coast. And here is my cyberbrain conspiracy theory. They got outbid by CD Projekt Red. Oh. This is complete conjecture. Complete <laughs> conjecture. Cyberbrain. Cyberbrain Austin Walker. Uh, cy- the net- Why would they want it? Net- well, like no. Runner. Netrunner was originally set in the Cyberpunk universe, the Cyberpunk 2020 it's gonna universe. It's going to be their Gwent It's going to be their Gwent game. They're going to put it oh, into Cyberpunk fuck. 2077, and then they're going to release a standalone Netrunner game. But with new cards, or like new, new their version of that game, basically. But yes, it's going to be their Gwent. They just did a, uh, a physical version of Gwent, They did right? just do a physical version of Gwent. Rob has turned away from the camera oh. and is looking at the wall. I'm tapping my head three times. This is this is my future prediction. I have no insider information on this. This is Couldn't not. Couldn't they have just did, I, done know. what they did with Gwen and just reskin Netrunner? Like <laughs> no, because because uh, Conditia, what was it? Conditia yeah, is that the, the yeah. board or whatever. Those people don't have any money. Fantasy Flight does. Fantasy Flight would have figured out how to sue them, and so they're just going to do it the right way, which is license the game. It just fucks over. This, who knows? I could be completely wrong. I'm probably completely but wrong. It is, it but it is a fascinating conjecture. Also, I'm going to crack up if Cyberpunk, with the tone we saw of that game, does the yeah. thing they did with Gwent, where like for whatever reason, in this like really gritty, <laughs> grim, depressing-ass world, people are like, hey... You want to play a game of Netrunner? You want to play some Netrunner? As long as, that would be as, long as we're... It's somebody who's, you know, dying, and the trauma center has been called on them to yeah. get out whatever, you know, chip in their head. While we wait. In my last seconds, want to play... Want to play some Netrunner? I have rare cards. <laughs> God. You only have ten minutes, because I only have ten minutes. Let's totally. Go. Totally. God. 
I, you know, they could they could do worse for hacking rules is the other thing I'll say. That game is cool, and they could do some cool stuff adapting some of those rules just directly into the hacking mini games. Anyway, that's my ridiculous theory. Um, uh, all right, uh, you know, you want to call it there? You want to do some waypoints and get out of here? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, who has a waypoint? I got a I got a waypoint. Hell yeah. You want to know what's a good game? What's a good game? Sonic Mania. Oh, right. Uh, it, it just got reissued as well. Uh, I should probably say I, I, I played a whole bunch of it, but not the reissue. I just randomly was like, you know what's a good game? I was just playing with my friends the other night. It's Sonic Mania. So I will be playing the reissue, and I'm sure I'll have like a word or two uh, about the new stuff. But it's just a really good platformer from a year ago. It's just awesome. a really good, really well-designed Gotta go fast. Sonic was good for a whole, you know, three months. You do right gotta there. go fast. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, Robert Patrick, give me a waypoint. Hit me with that waypoint. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, I uh, watched this uh, great movie over the weekend called uh, The Endless. Um, it's from this directing duo that has done uh, a lot of interesting sort of horror, paranoia, thriller work. And their newest one uh, is about... Uh, Try to talk about it as, as as vaguely as possible. It's about a UFO death cult. Um, Great. There's this uh, this uh, brother, uh, older brother, much younger uh, brother. They have maybe like ten, maybe like ten, twelve years in uh, an age difference. Um, and so they were something happened to their parents. Uh, they somehow get roped into this uh, this UFO death cult, um, and uh, th- eventually the older brother sort of like breaks the the brainwash, and they run away from. The cult, they go off on their own um, for like a decade or more. Um, they're not doing particularly well, like away from the cult. Like they are kind of barely scraping by. Um, the younger brother's like whole interpretation of what happened is like very positive and fuzzy and warm because he was a kid at the time. Um, and then they get a tape in the mail um, that's sort of like all the people they were with, like saying goodbye uh and but they all it's like it's a tape that is marked as like the day that they're in now but um they all look as though they haven't aged a day and so the 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 younger brother is having trouble getting closure over what happened because he again like looks back on what happened as like something warm and wonderful and was their the closest thing they had to family and so the older brother wonders uh if he'll finally indulge the younger brother and they go back to the ufo death cult um, just to like visit the sort of like kind of like encampment that they have. Uh, and for a day or two, if he sees what it's like, maybe he'll realize like, you know, that it's finally time to move on and lots of stuff happens, uh, when, when they get there. Um, it's a very, uh, I guess the Lovecraft would be the, 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 the sort of like tonal, uh, uh, sort of, sort of like part of the story. Uh, it's, 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 it's really fun and enjoyable and weird. Um, and has some actual like interesting hooks to, previous films that the the duo has worked on if you care about that sort of thing so uh it's called the endless nice rad um i went to game devs of color this past weekend which was a uh it's a convention that's held pretty much every year uh here in new york that brings together a lot of game developers of color people of color who make games uh there were a ton of great talks there and a ton of great games there I'm still catching up on the talks. I didn't get there till late, so I've been watching some of the the archived video of the ones that I I'd missed. Um, but the games there were incredible. I, it was like 25 games uh, on display there, um, and 
I just want to shout out a couple of them really quick. I mean, there's a page you can go to that's just at game devs of color dot, uh, game game devs of color expo dot com, and you just click on games, you'll see all of that stuff. Um, uh, there were a bunch that I liked. There's like a, a couple of visual novels I really liked. One called The Last Stop. Uh, that was had did some really cool things with like different types of language uh, you know, about um, a a uh, I believe a Thai kid a Thai family uh, and like, this kid who kind of like gets on the subway and winds up going to this weird almost uh, magical realist like final stop on the train uh, that's out on this strange island but it does really cool stuff with language blending Thai and Chinese uh, uh, language that kind of represents this multicultural background. It does the pyre mouse over thing where you can mouse over and learn what the, the kind of, uh, uh, what the word means and what its what its origin is. It has a really cool style. Um, a game called Solace State, S O L A C E State, S T A T E, um, which is a visual novel about a like a, a near future uh, surveillance state that builds some of the visual like um, uh, like put some of the words in the world. It has kind of a you know how sometimes in movies the subtitles will appear like on the side of a building or on a street sign or something like, like that. Diegetic, like, semi Yes, or... like semi-diegetic. Yeah. So th- that does that sometimes, uh, and that, that's a really cool look. Um, but then I'd say, like, the, the, the ones that made maybe the big... Oh, one more, one more small one is, uh, is Becker Derby, B-E-C-K-E-R Derby, which is, uh, which is uh, I guess, disclosure made by a fan, uh, uh, Rajan, uh, Rajan, I want to say Taylor? Rajan Taylor Foster, uh, which is one of those things that's like, Okay, Becker College decided they wanted a game, or or maybe maybe Rajan pitch, pitched this. Uh, this is going to sound like a pun in a second. You are a batter who is who is like batting against this bird pitcher. It's an iOS and Android game, and it, it, you're just it's like an arcadey baseball game, and it has the best feel. Like it just has such a good, like not mouse feel, but like touch feel of hitting the ball, the kinetic feeling of knocking the ball out. Um, but the two I actually want to super, super, super shout out, uh, because I think that they're going to be, one of them I think is going to be genuinely, could be genuinely big. Um, and the other one is just looks and feels great. There's a game called Zarvot, Z-A-R-V-O-T, which is... Z-A-R-V-O-T. You got it. Zarvot. It's like oh, a couch so good. competitive game in which you are all playing as cubes. It has kind of a, like a tilt-shifted um, isometric perspective, and it's four people playing as cubes who are either doing like um, King of the Hill-style control for part of the map. It reminds me of something like Gang Beasts uh, in terms of its visual style. Um, but, you know, you either shoot a big laser beam or shoot a bunch of little shots or grow strange, um, like, saw blades out of your side or do a big AoE smash. And it's like this cool couch competitive um, abstract arcade game. Like, I, I would love to sit down with people and play this who are people I knew. It would be very much one of those games that would start you screaming. Um, and the other one I think has maybe the best – the other game, last game I'll, I'll suggest that I saw there – that I, I think maybe it has the best two-word pitch I can ever come up with, which is uh, um, uh, Tetris Tactics. It's called oh. Omino, O-M-I-N-O. Uh, so let me pitch it to you this, this way. It is a RT, it's a Tetris RTS. You get Tetris P. You and your opponent have bases, 
And the goal is to build a, a, a bridge or, a, you know, a, a line from Tetris pieces from your base to their base. Starts out pretty simple. In the tutorial, it's like, all right, try to build in a way that blocks your opponent from getting to you, but you can get to them. But then bit by bit, it adds extra stuff. So, like, eventually you get to where you're building up over time a hammer resource that can break through their pieces. Uh, when you place your piece, you can break down their line. And anything that's no longer connected to their home base is no longer actually, like, viable for them. They have to reconnect it. And then it tells you, oh, well, do you want to place more pieces more quickly so you don't have to wait for this energy timer? Do you want to have more pieces in your your kind of hand of Tetris pieces more quickly? Well, then start building out certain shapes, and then you're effectively building RTS-style buildings. So, oh, if you build, like, a 4 by 4 vertical um box then that or a rectangle that gives you more energy more quickly oh if you build this kind of diagonal shape that'll give you more tetris pieces more quickly oh if you build this other shape it's like a barracks and it will give you uh the hammers to break through stuff more quickly and if that's not enough then they start adding like buildings already on the map that if you can connect to them you start getting a bonus so for one i got stuck on this level for a long time until i realized that one of the buildings would give all of my tetris pieces an additional block so it would be an l block but instead of being three high it would be four high or it'd be one of those t blocks but it would have an extra block on the front of the t or like the, the lower end of the t um and that stuff is just it's immediately you see this game and you're like oh shit this is a thing like oh this is this is conceptually super a thing already um and it's it's a really cool looking game it's called omino o-m-i-n-o uh and it's it's i think it's part of the nyu game center um uh incubation Chamber? That's not what yeah. it's called. It's not called the Incubation Chamber. Uh, incubator, I think. Yes, the 2018 Incubator. So so check that out. O-M-I-N-O. Uh, I think Danielle is writing down all of these so that I they will be in the show it notes. sounds amazing. Also because it sounds amazing. Yes. I, wrote, I mean, I always write them down. That sounds I wrote really that good. one down excitedly. It's really fucking yeah. cool. It's, I'll yeah. link you to a, to a trailer, uh, everybody in the in, in this call. Nice. Um, so that is my waypoint for the week. And also just like, it was cool to go see people who were excited about their games. Um, yeah. Like, it is too often that this this job gets so focused on the like i'm in meetings all day or i'm we're we're in a dry period for us and it's like oh well we know traffic isn't going to be the same this week as this month is last month last month was june and this month it's like kind of a dry july and oh we got to find new angles and blah 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 but you know then you get to go to an event like this and i sat down and played a co-op game called neon krieger yamato which is again what a good fucking name uh that was like a co-op like anime 8-bit style nes game and like you know high-fiving this complete stranger because we were beating the boss and like figuring out how the mechanics worked um and that's that stuff is is just like yes and meeting developers who are so excited to be there so excited to show their work re-energized me a lot maybe that's why it didn't felt like maybe that's why it felt like a holiday monday to me for some reason you know good Um, games time good games time you know know? good games time all right that is my waypoint rob do you have a waypoint uh yeah so a few nights ago i ended up um watching what i think has quietly turned into one of my favorite movies uh which is uh margin call and it was my first time watching it in the, in the new place, uh, which is a it's it's a film that takes place basically in the night before the start of the uh, 2008 financial crisis. Oh, this is one of the HBO movies, right? Uh, I don't I don't think no? so. I think this was a major Isn't studio it? picture. 
uh, Zachary Quinto, uh, Stanley Tucci, Paul Bettany, um, fortunately Kevin Spacey, uh, and uh, Jeremy Irons uh, is, is in it as well, as well as Demi Moore. Uh, basically, like the Mentalist is in it. Austin, uh, or oh, I'm actor. here. Yes, uh, but Patrick uh, Mentalist. Yeah, Patrick Mentalist. Uh, Patrick Jane. No, that's the name <laughs> of the character. Simon Baker. Simon Baker. Yeah. Um, it's a really like. As you might guess, it's just a movie with a lot of really tremendous performances. And basically, the start of the movie is like, if you remember it, like 2008 was when the crisis really like peaked. But even as far back as like 2007, even as a layman, you could tell like something was off about like the economy. Like just, I don't know, there, there, there's a weird vibe already around business and finance in 2007. This takes place basically like the night before a major like investment bank. When they realize what has gone wrong with um, mm. mortgage-backed securities, and when they realize that this entire system is basically teetering, and that all these banks are holding massive bundles of toxic assets on their books, um, while they sort of layer them together into larger uh, like tranches of, of debt, um, but you don't need. It's it's not like. The Big Short, which is really kind of a primer on how it all went wrong. This is really more of a, um, like a crime movie in a lot of ways. This is the night everyone realizes the game is about to be up. They have 24 right. hours to figure out what they're going to do uh, before the shit hits the fan. So, like, who are they? What are they really about? What is their philosophy about business and their role in society when, like, the rubber meets the road? And so it's the series, this, this long night as these, as these bankers sort of like first come to grips with the enormity of what they've done and what is about to happen. And then when they begin like deciding on a course of action, and it's just really a series of like scenes between two and three characters as they sort of interrogate their role in society, the things they tell, they've told themselves uh, to get to this point and to justify to themselves why they have so much money, uh, and then how this is going to, like, w how this changes things, right? And there are people who are absolute cynics in this entire thing who kind of take the attitude that, um, you know, finance has always been a rigged game. Like, we've, we've always known that, so who the hell is anyone else to complain, right? It's a little late to, you know, plead innocence uh, because you're about to, like, torch a lot of people who don't deserve it. Uh, that's, that's what this has always been about. And then there are a lot of like old school, you know, business type people who always thought like it was about giving a fair deal, uh, to, to, to your colleagues, right? It was about doing business as honestly and ethically as possible. Um, and what happens to those people when they're faced with like, here's the day when you have to go out and sell something, you know, is shit when you, when you know, <laughs> uh, you are going to be actively harming uh, not just your peers, but like society at large. And it is just a like utterly haunting and riveting movie. Um, like I just, all the characters are incredibly uh, well-written. Uh, Paul Bettany is, it's, it's one of his best performances. Um, and it's a movie that like once, like I popped it in basically just to test the audio uh, sync on my, on my uh, DVD <laughs> player. 
it's how it always yeah, goes. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm just watching this thing. Here it goes, and uh, it, <laughs> it it's tremendous. And I highly recommend if people haven't if they never did see it or haven't seen it in a while, Rob, give it another shot. I just need you to know the absurdity of like I'm just gonna put in one of my favorite movies to uh, test the audio sync on my new DVD player. You knew what this was. Yeah. <laughs> The guy, the guy who regularly goes back and plays games from 15 years ago, just oops. I'm just gonna put in this classic film, <laughs> a, a Rob's Rob movie. Uh-huh. See what happens. Yeah. God. Um. Oh, all good. right. Uh, on that note, before we go, just two pieces of quick bookkeeping. One, uh, if you hear this tonight, the night that this goes live, you will have approximately, I'll say, 12, 13, 14 hours to send over questions about Riverdale. <laughs> The television show Riverdale, Riverdale, because we are going to do a a brief Waypoint 101 uh, tomorrow morning uh, with a special guest uh, about Riverdale. So send in your Riverdale questions to gaming at vice.com, subject Riverdale. Uh, we got Archie. We got Archie. Don't we, I don't want Archie. Archie. Archie's the, the maybe the worst person from that show. We'll talk. <laughs> I'll dig into There's that tomorrow, I guess. There's a lot. Uh, so that's one. So for people who've been itching for a Waypoint 101, watch all that show by tomorrow morning or else. Um, two, there's also a real Waypoint 101 coming. Not that this isn't a real Waypoint 101, but, you know, a, a game one that will play over the course of the next month or, or so. Uh, probably a little there bit over that. There's shade in that, Austin. Yeah, that the, shade is that, shade. It, or the, the shade is that we're telling people we're going to do a, a Riverdale Waypoint 101 less than 24 hours before we do it that is my yeah, that is all of the shade, shade. That's true. also the shade I just, is I'm just saying, our longest waypoint 101 was a movie so right you know fair 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 yeah. uh so all we're right. gonna go try to do it last time mad max we were like eh, however long it takes this time we're like no watch all of riverdale between now and 9 a.m <laughs> do it uh oh come on that'll come out sometime if, if this show is of interest to you you already know that's probably probably you're, already, you're probably in on it i didn't you know, know i didn't know until y'all lit my life up with some river no until so. you were bored on a plane let's be honest. like we told That's you for months and you were finally plane, like Austin. trapped well, yeah that's accurate but then i liked it a lot and i kept that's watching true. it so you know that's it. sometimes you got to be trapped on a plane our next video game waypoint 101 uh, for presumably probably July and August, we'll probably record this sometime in mid to late August, is Shadowrun Dragonfall. Uh, I believe the director's cut is the one that's available on Steam. Uh, it is a, a... I've never played the director's cut, uh, but the original is a really great cyberpunk game. It's a cyberpunk tactical RPG with some really incredible writing. Um, uh, the the pitch... I think the, the pitch that finally... I was trying to give a soft pitch for this game that turned very quickly into a, a hard pick, pitch when I started describing the setting, which is cyberpunk Germany that has turned into a stable anarchy known as the Flux State. Um, if you want there to be like hackers who are investigating the death of a dragon, if you want there to be like, what if a guy who used to be a punk rocker is now worships the worships like a, a, a dragon deity and also his nephew gets into trouble by teaming up with some fascist human supremacists and he has to go like fucking fix his nephew's whole worldview this if you want like a cool lady with badass robot cyber arms who has a really interesting backstory you should you should check out uh shadow on dragonfall as we play through it for our next waypoint 101 Real quick, Austin. there will be a thread yeah. Uh, just as people hover on that store page, 
There's also a yes. compilation bundle for $55. Worth it if someone's okay. kind of on the fence. Like, do I just want to just go all the all the way in? Uh, or uh, is this the one you ha- you recommend unreservedly? I recommend Dragonfall. I didn't finish Hong Kong, so yeah. I can't give it the like complete. Uh, Hong Kong seems dope. Hong Kong seems really good. Returns is like, okay. They didn't. I, I with all the years removed from Shadow and Returns at this point, I can kind of firmly say that anything it does well, Dragonfall and Hong Kong do better. Um, Returns is a very linear game in terms of feel and in, and in terms of actual. It is a linear game. Uh, Dragonfall and Hong Kong both give you that feeling of building out a team of of Shadow Runners who all have different interesting backstories. Whereas Returns is very much more like. I mean, you, there there are there are other runners that you can work with in returns, but you don't get that same good feeling of like this is my crew. We you know we all have our own issues that we all are all helping each other with. Um, so I would I would say start with Dragonfall, and if you like Dragonfall a lot, go forward up to Hong Kong. Um, and I guess if you're like a true 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 diehard after that, maybe go back and play through Returns. But uh, Dragonfall and Hong Kong are, are definitely the two that I that I can fully recommend. Uh, or that I that I really recommend, and, and Dragonfall is the one that we're going to do for a 101. So I think it's like 15 bucks right now. Oh, someone's honking, because they want to play Dragonfall. Uh, and they want to know where to send their questions. And that is game... I'm telling you, you can stop honking now. Where do you, where do you People have spoken. Where do you send the questions? Gaming at vice.com. Uh, you shadow run and question, or, or Waypoint 101 shadow run or something i'll we'll dig those up once it's time to do this again we won't be we won't be doing the episode for another six weeks probably four to six weeks um as before we're just kind of saying you know play the first 10 hours of this game it's like a 20 hour game all said if you want to play through the whole thing play through the whole thing i will probably use this opportunity to play through the whole thing but but uh if if you don't you don't have to it's okay just play enough so that we can talk about what's going on in this game and why are there elves and also robots and I'm going to always say, why not? You know, I think William Gibson maybe got this one wrong. He hates Shadowrun, like, a lot. So that's an interesting thing. Anyway, there will be a thread up on the forum, and there will be a chat room in the uh, over on uh, the, the Discord. So, so check those out if you want to participate. Uh, and as always, you can feel free to just tweet at me and be like, yo, you're right, this game was good. Or, no, actually... You know, don't do that second one. How about don't do that second one? If you want to do that second one, you're like, this game's bad, Austin. Just... Write it in a notepad and then close it, and that's okay. Let's pretend I saw it. Um, that's going to do it for us today. I'm Austin Walker. Follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R.I. Patrick, how about you? At Patrick Lupin. What about you, Rob? Where could people find you and all of your glorious takes and all of your descriptions of the desert sands of Karak? Uh, you can find me at Rob Zachney, but if that sort of thing intrigues you, I guess you could also listen to Three Moves Ahead. You should probably, yeah. That's <laughs> actually a good call. Um, follow everything Waypoint does. Twitter.com slash Waypoint. Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice. And Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. We will be back uh, on Wednesday, probably, with our Riverdale 101, and then again on Friday. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that, waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. On this very, very hot and humid Monday morning afternoon, Danielle, what do we say to him? Be good or be good at it! Peace! Peace! Peace!
There it is. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.